0: Nothing come between us. We are team. Yes. How about that? I was watching. I was late to the station. I'm like, this is the greatest day ever at church. You know, I don't know. I apologize for that. Um, is that anybody else's, like, top five? Okay, like, top ten? Every hand should be up. Like, top ten. Like, do you even love God? It's like, I wonder what's going on here. It's like... No, I, I love that movie. It's incredible. Uh, remember the Titans? It took place in uh, 1971 T.C. Williams High School. Uh, based on a true story, they were integrating the school for the first time, and all of the different things that went along with that, the challenges that are there. I want to just start acting out these scenes in the movie right now, but I'm going to refrain from that. Um, but there's racial tension that's going on. It's a team trying to come together, a coach that's going to do whatever it takes to win. Uh, A couple of coaching staffs come together, and then we see a community uh, that's dealing uh, with some challenges because this team, as they gather together, they go to a boot camp, they get some time away, but then they come back in, and the world around them has yet to change. And so I think there's a lot of tie-ins that we can really relate to uh, when it comes to uh, dealing with challenges. This movie points to a deeper truth and a deeper point. This diversity that a team that works together to accomplish something that's greater than themselves is something that we've lived, seen, and repeated over and over here at Rock Harbor. Uh, This team that we get to be a part of, and some of you may be new here. I talked to somebody just a few minutes ago in the lobby. They've been five times. They were eating a hot dog. They were happy. I was happy. I wanted to eat three, and I thought, I don't want to burp the whole time, okay, (laughs) while I'm up there. Not that I would. I don't do that kind of thing, but I'm, you know, it was tempting, and so... But they said they've been here five times. And just I want to share a little bit because I know we have a lot of people that are new, but this team uh, that has assembled six years ago, Rock Harbor uh, launched, and we weren't quite aware or, you know, prepared for what God was going to do in the multiplication of people, but it comes down to um, really being dedicated to him. It's his work that he's done. Um, he's our head coach. He leads us. He directs us. He guides us. Um, he organizes. He's a general manager. He organizes people. We each have different gifts, and uh, we've seen now we have six services. There's actually a couple going on right now as we speak at our hub. Can we We just say, what up, Hub? One, three, one, two, three. What up, Hub? Yeah. Um, But it's great to to be able to see that. Many people attending a service and serving at one. You look around, you see people with shirts on that reflect the ministry they're part of, or a lanyard. Uh, There's always an opportunity to get involved, and we've seen um, so many people do that. And so we're grateful for the team That God has put together this sacrificial heart saying it's not about me we want to see people come into a relationship with Jesus people saying I'm going to come early or I'm going to stay late and go to a late service to create space for people I'll go to another venue and and be part of the hub venue and it's just the heart uh, that we want to have as a team this is a sacrificial heart um, but this is what we're called to do. Just like this team is to put aside the things that we would like, in order for the betterment of the team, and that's what we're to do as Christians. You know, it's our church. It's the church's responsibility, not this church, but the church that Jesus began. As followers of Jesus, to put aside political differences, social differences, under one commonality that we've been created in Christ Jesus, and that we are His prized creation. Uh, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 5 today, so if you have your phones or Bibles you'd like to turn there, also in the program when you came in, there's some some notes that go along. The 2 uh, Corinthians 5, it really illustrates that Jesus is for everyone. He desires that none would perish, no, not one, that we would all come into repentance. And so in 2 Corinthians five seventeen, it says, therefore, if anyone, that means anyone, is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old's passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. So all of this is from God. That is, in Christ God, who was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, not counting our sins against us because he paid for those. He entrusted us, he trusted, that's teamwork right there. You've got to trust one another with this message of reconciliation. He's given us this message of of what it means to be free in him. He's given us this message of salvation. He's given us this message of hope. And just like any team, you know, you have the coach that calls in the play from the sideline. And what does the QB do, right? He gets the play, goes to the huddle, he gets out his play band, and he says, point number one, play number one United we stand, divided we fall. United we stand, divided we fall. Ready? Break. Okay, no one did it. Okay, let's do this again. Everyone, when I say ready, break, we all hit it. okay. United we stand, divided we fall. Okay, united we stand, divided we fall. On one, ready, break. Nice. (laughs) United we stand, divided we fall. Patrick Henry said this in 1799 in his last public speech. Um, He made this statement. Abraham Lincoln used this in 1858 in a speech where he was addressing slavery. But believe it or not, this is actually drawn from Scripture. It's Mark three twenty five, and if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. It'll implode, right? It'll be a, an utter collapse because this division that happens between us, this implosion that goes on. See, why do we spend so much time fighting with each other and we forget who the real enemy actually is? I mean, think about it this way. Think about your marriage, if you happen to be married in here. Sadly, we fight in our marriage rather than for our marriage. This team is fighting within the team rather than for the team. And they're learning to fight for each other. We do the same thing in the church where we'll fight within the church rather than for the church. Maybe you do this at work. Rather than fighting for your employer, fighting for your workplace, you fight with, within it. And we have to say, hey, I need to put what I want aside in order for the team to win. We've got to remember what unites us when the enemy wants to divide us. We have to remember... What unites us when the enemy wants to divide us? Think about news, social media, constant division. Always telling us why we should not like each other. Always telling us why we should be divided. And then all the dividing labels that are out there. Conservative, liberal, rich, poor, male, female. And then this division that exists in our nation and actually around the world. That of race, that of heritage. Think back to your life, and and when was the first experience you had where you recognized the differences in race? Was it a positive experience? Was it a negative experience? I've seen racial tension. I've actually experienced hate. And when I think about this, it's something that we have to address. See, because of the cross, hatred has to die. Because of the cross, hatred needs to die to die. And the differences don't need to die because differences are are good. We're actually blessed because of diversity. Racial diversity is beautiful. The kingdom of God is diverse and beautiful. Sadly, religious groups and people under religious um, titles have used whether it be um, race, they've used where they happen to be from. They use different things for their own personal leverage where they were benefiting in some way and they've marginalized groups of people. These are ungodly acts. These are uh, things that go directly against the Bible. The Bible's really clear that we all are equal. We're all loved. We've all been bought. We've all been paid for by this price in Jesus. You know, and as much as we are equal... In his gifts and in his love we're also equal in this responsibility to bring unity and peace That's not something that is a suggestion. That's something that's a command See this equality that comes from the heart of the gospel. It's that jesus came for everyone We've all been made new. We all have new life that's in him And I would say it this way that there's a majority of people who don't express racism but there's a prejudice there's an upbringing or an influence or a privilege that exists or a lens that You or I might see this world through and we don't even realize that it's there this fear this unknown that's different And we don't understand we have to ask ourselves an honest and true question and say Is there some sort of prejudice that it resides in my heart or has resided in my heart? Have we sinned in this manner and you may say I haven't willfully committed some sin in in this regard. I don't think I've ever said or or did anything. And and, and you know, it's even as simple as the word they. Using the word they puts people in a category. And we have to be really careful that maybe it wasn't a sin of commission, but what if it was a sin of omission? Meaning where we were silenced about the sin. There's sin of silence took place or, or even just maybe a thought that came into a mind or, or because of where we come from or because of what your heritage might be or an experience that you've had that you come with maybe some thoughts in your mind. So as church leaders, about a year ago, we gathered together with a bunch of churches and, and pastors and staff from around town. And we said, hey, if racial reconciliation is going to happen in our community, it needs to, to start with us. And knowing that there's been pockets of believers years and years and and for generations and decades and since... Uh, the time of Christ that went out to create reconciliation. Not everyone, but some pockets it, it has been drawn from. We said, hey, let's be that group of people. Let's come into our city. Let's gather with everybody from every tongue, every nation, every tribe, every group of people, every race, every denomination. Let's get together and talk about the reality of what exists in our culture, what exists in our city, what exists in our state, what exists In our valley, and we had a sweet time of prayer, a time of talking, a time of confession, a time of awareness, a time of just love and communication with one another. And actually, a time of confession. Saying, I didn't realize the privilege that I have. I didn't realize maybe what you've been through. I don't realize how this felt when this took place in our community. See, this racial reconciliation that we're called upon, it's actually baked into the mission of the church. I mean, when you look at what Jesus did and what he shared with his followers, even in Acts 1.8, he says that we would go and we would be witnesses to where? To Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. He's saying, don't keep the message of me here. Let's send it forth. Let's send it out. Let's not get in the way of it. Let's let, let's let people come to find out and follow me. See this group of Samaritans they were of mixed race. this utter, uttermost parts, as some versions say, the ends of the earth are, were unknown groups of people they weren 't just Jewish. See when we look at the gospel and we look at God came and he had god 's chosen or God, god chosen people and jesus was to come this was the children children of israel and they were they were set apart for god when jesus came it was it was like hey jews gentiles greeks anyone come to faith come and 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 you too can have this life that comes because jesus has come so what began with the jews was then spreading to the greeks and spreading around and this gospel was being sent forth that if we look at christianity what began in the Middle East then moved to Northern Europe and it found its way here to America, to us. And it's finding its way all around the world. When you look in the program today, you see this list of things of, of different ministries we partner with. And you can see how we're planting churches in our city. We're trying to plant 100 churches in the next 15 years to meet the needs of a growing and growing. And, and, uh, significantly growing a community and we don't have enough churches we want to see the gospel spread you can see on that piece of paper how we're planting in our state we're planting in our nation and we're planting around the world it's our heart to say hey it's not just for this group of people like i got the gospel and and i'm good see christianity is different than what i would say the religions that exist in this world see christianity is a relationship with god it's not a religion But you see, religions generally from wherever that religion began is where the main population that followed that religion are from. But you look at Christianity, it didn't stay in the Middle East. It didn't stay right there in Israel. It spread and it went out. It's a message for all to be given. If we're going to be more like Jesus and what do we do uh, when the world wants to remind us why we shouldn't be alone? We got to look at the words of Christ and we got to look even at the letters of Paul Paul in Galatians 3 says, For in Christ Jesus you are sons of God through faith. For as many of you are baptized into Christ, you put on Christ. For there's not a Jew nor a Greek, there's neither a slave nor free, there's no male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. See, this says that strangers can become friends and friends can become family. Because we're one in Jesus Christ. And everyone deserves a seat in at the table every voice every tongue every language every nation present at this table for that's what heaven's going to look like and guess what that's what the church needs to look like but we've forgotten who the real enemy actually is play number two we're on the same team we're on the same team ready break okay that was better Second half, or second half team. Um, we got we to gotta know our opponent, right? We got to know whose team we're on because what Satan wants to do, he wants us to fight with each other rather than against him. See, if he can get us to battle with each other, then we won't be aligning our forces, we won't be aligning our efforts, we won't be aligning our skill set, or the power of the Holy Spirit alive and active in us rather than just you against him. We have to remember who the real enemy is and we misplace who our opponent is. See, 1 John 2 says, But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. To be blind. So much darkness, so much hate, so much anger, so much discouragement, so much competition. We don't have conversations with people. We don't have healthy conversations about race. We don't have healthy conversations because we just don't know what we should say or what we shouldn't say. We don't have healthy conversations with a family member that maybe it's got a little bit awkward or challenging. And so we just say, I'm just not going to go there. And we let the tensions continue to be there. And before long, you don't even know why you're mad. Or when you finally do talk, it's from something 12 years ago that you're like, I don't even remember that. And there's been this seed of bitterness that's happened. And we forget that we're on this same team and this distance comes in and it begins to demonize. This lack of proximity with this person or this, these people or this group of people, it can be polarizing. See, human nature wants us to believe the worst. Wants us to talk about people rather than talk too people but there's unity that comes in a conversation there's unity coaches saying hey i want you to get together you're going to talk with somebody who's not your roommate you're going to get together with someone you're going to have a conversation with them see this communication we get to have it brings clarity it brings clarity to who we are we're to go to a person, the Bible says in Matthew 18, have a conversation rather than making assumptions. And I won't go into the definition of assumption, but it's a bad word and we do it a lot, okay? Not, I'll say hind parts, okay? You make a hind part out of you and me, okay? is what it is. That's what they say in the movie. But it's not a competition. It's a community. A competition can be a community crusher. Healthy competition can stir one another up to keep getting better and drive us towards excellence, but if it gets unhealthy, then it can cause this implosion to take place. Play number three. The name on the front of the jersey is more important than the name on the back. I said the name on the front of the jersey is more important than the name on the back. Ready? Man, I want to act out like literally every one of these things. (laughs) But I would say left side and then no one would say anything and it'd be weird. But <laughs> the name on the front is more important than the name on the back. You know, there's no I in team. It's, we, we, got, we all play for the same team. We've got to look at it like that. and We've got to say there's unity that we have in Christ. There's unity that came in the cross. We've all fallen short. There's none righteous, no, not one. That's all of us. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. I want to ask a favor of you. Would you guys just go ahead and clear your throats? I'm going to ask you to repeat something after me. That was pretty good, okay? A little snack in there. But hey, it's a tailgate party. It happens, okay? Um, It's totally inappropriate. Probably not going to say that the next two services, okay? All right, give me a break, okay? Okay, stick to the playbook, Harrington, okay? Okay, you're going to repeat after me, okay? Where were we? The ground is level at the foot of the cross. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. On three, ready? One, two, three. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. We've all fallen short. We're all on the same playing field. In this passage we're in, in chapter 5 of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, it says, for if we're beside ourselves, it's for God. If we're in our right mind, it's for you. Basically, if we did anything possibly right, it's only because God had control of us. For why? This love in Christ, it controls us. It owns us. This is our authority that we all live underneath. We got to know who we play for. He says it this way because we have concluded this. Concluded, that's like it's a matter of fact. That's parents telling your kid like, you better not ask me again, right? It has done been concluded. Okay, there's no conversation to be had from here on out. This is not up for debate. What's not up for debate? That one has died for all. Listen to how many times it says all. For one has died for all, therefore all have died, and that he died for all, that those who might live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. We're to no longer live for ourselves. We're to live under this one authority, the same authority. So who's leading your life, who's coaching your life, are you listening to the plays? Are you running your own pl- plays? Who are you leading? Who's following your example? Who are you trying to help make better? My question is this How are you leading the people that God has placed around you? Play number four Attitude reflects leadership. I said, Attitude reflects leadership. Ready? Great. It's hard. It's hard because we just want to give account for ourselves, and we have all been impacted by something and should I be the one to start change? Should I be the one to live differently? Well, verse 15 says, yeah, it says, for Jesus died for all that those who might live no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. That's a leader to offer themselves as a sacrifice for us. You know, the kind of follow you, follower that you are determines the type of leader you're going to be. See, so you and I, we lead out of the overflow of our following. We lead out of the overflow of our following. Are you following Jesus? Are you interested in yourself and how it most impacts you? I have a few leadership questions, and we don't have time to, to answer them, and you're not raising your hand, you're not answering out loud, but I'm just going to pose them to you. How do you respond when someone gives you a task? What is your response when another person gets credit and you don't? What's your response when you don't get your way? Do you make things about the team? Or really about yourself? How are you leading yourself? You know, I've heard people come to this church and and make this statement. I've heard people leave this church and make this statement. I've heard it over 20 years of ministry. It's a simple statement. I'm not getting fed. I'm Not getting fed, four words. Or, I am not getting fed, five words. But that statement says a lot about who you are. You know, you're the hardest person for you to lead. It's not your strong willed child. It's not your classroom with a bunch of little kids in it. It's not that family member. It's not your marriage. It's you. We're the hardest people for ourselves to lead. How are we doing? How are we doing in that? Are you abiding and dwelling with Jesus Christ? Is your life poured out as a sacrifice for Him? You know, He's the ultimate servant. Are you no longer living to yourself? It's play number five. You know, in order to win, we got to learn to lose, we got to learn from our mistakes we got to take it game by game. we got to get better with each time. The Bible actually tells us that we should take up our cross every single day. Take up our cross every single day. And when we fail, let's fail forward. Let's fail into whatever it is that's next. When we fail, fail to our knees. thus saying, God, I need your help. I need your strength. I need your hope. I can't do this by myself. I need you, the only one that can rescue me, to come in. But you've been given this mission and this commission to be a minister of the gospel. You know, I've done weddings. I remember when I first did weddings, it says I, and then it says Keith Harrington. I write my name, all caps, Keith Harrington. Then it says A, I'm thinking, hmm, youth pastor. A, youth pastor lucky to have a job. You know, A, lead pastor at Rock Harbor Church. And I asked a friend, I was like, what do, are do you write there? And he's put, minister of the gospel. And I'm like, oh yeah, minister of the gospel. I'm like, that just sounds awesome, you know? Like how many of you guys remember the XFL? That was a sad month. Um, but they had names on the back. I mean, I'm just thinking if I was like, you know, playing safety, I'm coming over the middle, what would the back of my shirt be like minister of the gospel, bam, you know what I mean? I'm the minister of the gospel. They made up their own names. It didn't go well. Point is this. We're all called to be a minister of the gospel. It's not somebody who's vocational in ministry. It's not somebody who happens to work at a church. It's not somebody who's been a believer for quite some time. A minister of the gospel is all of us. Listen to this, verse 20. Therefore, we're ambassadors of Christ. God making his appeal through us, through you, his appeal, his calling. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He's making his appeal through you. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, meaning Jesus paid a debt, he paid sin of which he never participated in, so that we in him might become the righteousness of God. We're ambassadors for him. We've got a message. We're committed to this ministry, this word of reconciliation, that we get to go out and through us and in spite of us, and once in a while, because of us and his good work in us, some would be reconciled. And God wants all to be reconciled. If you have a game on Friday night, there's something that happens on Saturday morning and it's not sleeping in. It's film. And you get the chance to go in there with your teammates and watch what took place. And sometimes that's a good thing. Like, I can't wait to see it. Now it's different. Everybody's got phones, people recording stuff. But back in the day, you didn't see it till Saturday. They told you that was a great hit. They told you if you just bent over just a little bit this way, that you could have stopped that run. You were supposed to hit the A gap, not the B gap. If you would adjust, and it's this time of accountability. It's in here. What greater scripture than 2 Corinthians 5? It's in here. It talks about film. It says so. What, for so whether we are home or away, and that's just glory to God, home or away. That's like God. Like yeah. it's like I don't think there's a better verse. It's just so good. Remember the Titans. Remember Corinthians five. We make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether that be good or evil. Your life's a vapor. It's here for a moment. It's gone. Hebrews nine twenty seven: it's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. We will give an account for how we play the game. We will give an account for what we sacrifice. We will give an account for the blocks that we make that we never get credit for. We're all looking for touchdowns. We're looking for wards. We're counting stats. We're saying, how is this going to bless me? How's this going to make me look? You're a minister of the gospel. How does the gospel look because of you? How does the gospel look because of us? For united we stand, but divided we will fall. Will you bow your heads with me? I believe that today, whether in this room or whether over at The Hub, I believe that today God has moved in a heart that there are people in this room that we need to confess sin, confess sin of being prejudiced, confess sin of seeing life through a certain lens, confess sin because of unknown or fear. We need to reconcile that between God, and maybe we need to reconcile that between a brother or a sister to say, I'm sorry. You and I, many of us, we need to recognize the privilege that we've been afforded simply because of the social place that we were born, because of the place we were born, whether rich or poor, whether the gender that we were born. You know what? There's something that we need to say, God, thank you. And I'm sorry for taking for granted something that I've been given. And I want to make a way where there is no way for other people and through the gospel of Jesus, I will reconcile to my brothers and I will reconcile to my sisters and I will confess, I will admit. And many, many will say, I don't really see it and I don't think that I am. But a strong, hard look at the cross should change who we are and the way that we behave, God, would you reconcile us? Would you realign us to your mission? Would you let our attitude reflect your leadership alive in us? God, would you forgive us? God, would you help us to see the world through your lens? Would you unite us when the world is trying to divide us? Would you unite us through the cross that salvation would come to all peoples and we would fulfill your commitment or your commission to love and lead, to be gracious and kind and to pay the ultimate sacrifice and put our life aside so that your light and your life could flow. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.